Our Bible opened to Daniel 10. Now, there are several passages we want to look at this morning as we think of hindrances to prayer. Hindrances to prayer. Let's pray together. Our Father, guide us as we study the Word of God and our own hearts. We know that our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Thy word is so faithful and true. Help us to believe it, to practice it, and to put it in effect in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know the story of Daniel. You read it in Sunday school this morning. Daniel is now about 90 years old. He's an older man. He's been through the wind and the storms and the fire and the floods. And uh, he has become the prime minister of the land of Babylon. And now Persia, Cyrus and Darius have overwhelmed Babylon. And now Daniel is the prime minister of Persia. But he still has a heart for the people of God. And in this prayer time, earlier in the chapter, he's calling out to God about the our transgressions and our sins. He is so thoroughly identifying with them. He's not saying, Lord, Israel sinned and they're this and they're this and they're this and so on. He's saying, Lord, we've sinned. We've done a terrible thing in your sight. That's the reason we had to go into captivity. And out of the heart of a, of a heart that hurts, he spent three weeks bringing his petition before the Lord. And during that time, he felt that he was not getting through. Where is God? I've been praying earnestly from my heart, but there's no answer. And I don't understand it. Have you ever had a time like that? When you prayed earnestly and you felt like your prayers didn't get beyond the ceiling? You prayed in earnest with a heart cry and no answer seemed to come. God doesn't always answer his prayers, our prayers in March or April or May or 99 or whenever. And we have a beautiful lesson about this in this chapter. Beginning in Daniel 10, verse 11. Well, verse 10, and behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand aright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken the word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand, and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard. And I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remained there with the kings of Persia. Isn't that an interesting section of Scripture? The king or the prince of Persia withstood me. Now this is the angel of the Lord. God doesn't always answer his prayer, our prayers by angels. Sometimes I think he does. Sometimes those angels are in the form of human beings. Sometimes they are human beings and God puts it on somebody's heart to be a blessing. Sometimes 
God uses circumstances. He uses some financial success. He uses some love relationship to let us know that our prayers are being heard and answered. But beloved, I want to talk today about when your prayers are not heard. When, when, they, when they don't seem to get anywhere. Daniel experienced that. 21 days. Can you imagine beseeching the throne of God? He fasted. He didn't eat anything. He didn't even dress himself. For 21 days, his heart was moved for the sins of the people of God. No answer. Dark skies. Have you been there sometimes? You've been there where it seemed to rain instead of sunshine. Clouds gathered around. There was an eclipse of the sun, the sun of righteousness. Daniel experienced all that. And then the angel of the Lord came, touched him on his shoulder. And Daniel said, I was so moved that I got on my hands and knees, the palms of my hands and my knees, and I would not dare look up. And the angel said, don't be afraid. From the first day you started praying, heaven heard. But the prince of Persia withstood me, hindered your prayers. There's a mystery about that section <clears throat> of Scripture that we don't fully understand. <clears throat> Apparently, the prince of Persia <clears throat> was the king of Persia. Uh, either Darius or Cyrus. But it was only because those men were overshadowed by Satan. He is the prince of the power of the air. And the angel said, now, Daniel, don't be afraid. When I'm gone, the, and when the prince of Persia is gone, the prince of Greece will stand up. You're going to always have these enemies. You'll always have battles. It's not going to be an easy road. And prayer is perhaps the hardest of all the roads that lead to glory. What are the hindrances that we face when we try to pray? Well, let me mention some things first. <clears throat> we sang the hymn a while ago, Ere you left your room this morning, did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? When you met with great temptation, did you think to pray? By his dying love and merit, did you think to pray? And did you claim the Holy Spirit as your guide and stay? When your heart was filled with anger, did you think to pray? Did you plead for grace, my brother, that you might forgive another who had crossed your way? When sore trials came upon you, did you think to pray? When your soul was bowed in sorrow, balm of Gilead did you borrow at the gates of day. What does that remind us of? It simply reminds us that sometimes we don't think to pray. And that's a great hindrance. I can handle this job all by myself. I've done it before, I can do it again. And that's one of the big, big problems that America faces today. During World War II, all of us who were alive in those days remember this, uh, we've done it before and we can do it again and we can, you remember that song? Some of you do. 
That was an old song about we're going to win the battle. But thank God there was a nucleus of people in America that didn't just believe that song. They met on their knees and prayed. And God saw a holy minority pouring out our hearts to God for this great missionary nation. America has been the greatest missionary nation the world has ever known. During the dark days of the Cold War, when it seemed that Soviet Russia was pl placing communism all around the world, and we had bomb shelters built, and, and we thought any moment they would launch their missiles at us. Hyman Appleman stood in this pulpit, the great Jewish evangelist now in heaven. He said, you don't need to worry. Russia is not going to conquer America. America has been the greatest bulwark of missionary work any nation on earth has ever experienced. And as long as America does that, God's going to protect America. I pray that's true. It seems to have been true so far. What does hinder our prayer? We don't think to pray. We depend on ourselves. We depend on our education. We depend on our personality. Listen, when you go knocking on doors for Jesus, try to win somebody to Christ. Remember the devil's there before you got there. You're no match for him. And unless we're filled with the Holy Spirit and his boldness, we'll cow and walk away. Or we'll mess up in trying to talk. Or we won't amount to anything. We'll be full of sound and fury signifying nothing. We need to think to pray about everything. That's the reason it's hard for me to understand, and I'm not being critical, but how God's people can go to a restaurant and sit down and gobble up their food without first thanking Him, putting their eyes on Jesus, looking full in His wonderful face. Then the things of earth, even the food, will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Did you think to pray? Do we think about it? Does it even cross our mind? Now, we do our best praying when we're in trouble. Most people, when we're in trouble, we pray. Sometimes it's a prayer of benevolence. Sometimes it's a prayer for somebody in the family who's lost a loved one. Sometimes it's a prayer for a loved one who's dying of some terrible disease or sickness. We think to pray then. But what about in good times? When you're driving down the road, do you think to pray, Lord, those cars and buses and trucks that are coming toward us, protect them so they don't go wild and come over and crash and, and we all die in an accident. Do you think to pray? When you get up to sing, did you think to pray before you sing? Preacher, when you get up to preach, did you think to pray before you preach? Almost every Sunday morning and Sunday night, Richie Ham and Phil Brent and Brad Thomas and Mickey Berkeley and a few others gather in the prayer room to pray for these services. They think to pray. And I believe God answers those prayers. We'd like to encourage others to come. Every Saturday morning, we have a men's prayer breakfast or prayer meeting here at church from 7 to 7.30. And we just meet and pray and read the Bible. And some think to pray and others do not. Did you think to pray? A hindrance to our prayer life is a failure to see how important prayer is. Prayer is the most important ministry in the entire world. It's more important than education. It's more important than eloquence. 
It's more important than excitement. It's more important than the duties we have. Prayer is the undergirding force behind it all. Did you think to pray? Well, there's another hindrance to prayer. And that is illustrated in the Old Testament. Turn in your Bible to uh, 1 Samuel. And look at verse chapter 15, verses 22 and 23. This is a time of prayerlessness that caused Saul his kingdom. You think of that. Saul, the great king, the first king of Israel. And God anointed him. His head and shoulders above everybody else. He was a tall man, a big man, a good man, a humble man at the first. Samuel made an appointment to meet Saul for a sacrificial uh, festival. And they were going to sacrifice. There was a law in Israel that only the priests could sacrifice, not the kings. And King Saul arrived, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited, and he waited. He said, I don't know what's happened to this priest Samuel. Let's go on and sacrifice. In a little while, Samuel came. And from the Lord spoke to Saul. And here's what he said. In 1 Samuel 15, verses 22 and 23, And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great desire in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. A sad day in Saul's life. Why? Because he failed to obey the word of God. The word of God says so much to us. Our prayers are hindered many times because of failure to obey the word of God. The scripture says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He that confesseth me before men, I'll confess before my Father which is in heaven. But he that denieth me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. When a person first gets saved, you might be saved in your home, driving a car. I don't know where you were saved, but you need to make your way to the house of God. Walk down an aisle at the invitation time and confess Christ as your Savior so that the pastor can say to the church, this man is one of us. This woman is one of us. This child is one of us. A saved, born-again Christian on the way to heaven. Years ago, our, our men were praying for a certain man in our city, and we were in a revival meeting. I'd been to see the man several times, and some of our other men had too. And uh, 
He would always reject the Lord, just, just reject him. Well, we met in a prayer meeting every night, and every night his name was mentioned. About the third or fourth night of the meeting, I saw that man come in church. He hadn't been there for a long, long time. He was lost. When the invitation was given, he walked down the aisle. He said, I trusted Christ this afternoon in my truck. I said, in your truck? He said, yes, while I was driving down the highway, it just seemed like God spoke to my heart that I needed Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, that was an answer to prayer. Men together united three or four nights, and before that a lot of times, in going to see him and praying, and he came and became a great trooper for the Lord in our church for a while. What's hindering our prayers? Disobedience to the Lord. Refusing to do what he said to do. You see, the Bible says that every person must give an account of himself to God. Every one of us. Everybody in this section, everybody in the middle section, everybody over here, everybody in the choir, this preacher, all of us must give an account to God. What are we going to get, give an account about? What we did with what he said in his word. That's where we ought to read his word. Wouldn't it be an awful thing to get before the judgment of Christ and the Lord brings up something and says, well, Lord, I didn't even know I was supposed to do that. And he, he said, that's even worse. How come you didn't know it? Well, I, I didn't see it anywhere. He holds the Bible up and he said, it was in there. Did you read it? Ladies and gentlemen, let's read the word. Let's believe it. Let's obey it. God says in Malachi chapter 3, will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. And we say, well, wherein have we robbed thee? Even in tithes and offerings. Bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. There may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. God help us to obey his word. If I got up this morning and said, I'm speaking to a group of thieves and robbers, some of you wouldn't like it. That's what's happening. With all due love and benevolence and respect, I have to tell you what the Word of God says. God says, if you don't tithe, you're a thief. You're a robber. Now, they don't come after you. The police don't come after you. God does. Which would you rather have come after you, the police or God? The Lord knows how to do it. The scripture says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and he scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye be without chastisement, we're all over takers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Dear beloved folks, within the sound of my voice today, let's obey the Lord in the things that we know about. There are some things maybe we don't know, but the things we do know are clearly taught. Let's obey the Lord Jesus said, when you talk, don't swear by heaven or by Jerusalem or by your head or by any other thing. Let your conversation be yea, yea, nay, nay. In other words, you don't have to say, well, I swear that this is true on a stack of Bibles 10 miles high. This is true. Or cross my heart and hope to die. <laughs> God is just merciful and gracious to keep you from dying. 
all that stuff that you add to it doesn't add one thing. Matter of fact, it makes some people doubt if you're really telling the truth because this one time you've had to call all the Bibles and everything, God to witness so that you're telling the truth. Most of the time you don't tell the truth. That's really what that's saying. And so God doesn't want us to swear by anything. Let your word be your word. I was going to church Sunday morning. Now some who are listening by radio, you may have let the rain deter you, or you may have let laziness deter you. You may pull those covers up one more time too late and turn the alarm clock off and said, I'm just going to sleep a little while. It's raining outside and I feel like sleeping. Who didn't feel like sleeping this morning? I love to sleep when it rains. I wish it would snow. I'd like to get out in it. But folks, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is in Hebrews 10. Let's not forsake his work. Let's be there, faithful and loyal, straight down the line in all things. Now there's another area. If you'll turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. Let's look at this just a moment. Beginning in verse 5. 1 Peter 3, 5. After, for, this, for after this manner in the old time, the holy women also trusted in God, adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as ye do well and are not afraid with any terror. In like manner, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. And what's the last part say? That your prayers be not hindered. That your prayers be not hindered. And mainly he's talking to the husbands there. I'm sure there's a lesson for the wives, but he's primarily talking to husbands. He said, dwell with your wife as the weaker vessel. Give honor where honor is due. That your prayers be not, answered, uh, be not hindered. Uh, home problems can really hurt prayer life. Where the children are rebellious and ugly and mean, or the husband doesn't care anything about anything except to lie down at night with his wife, it's all. No care, no love, no love, love in the little things. Beloved, your prayers are going to be hindered there. He says, don't let that happen lest your prayers be hindered. Your home life needs to be like a castle, a palace with joy springing up into everlasting life. That your prayers be not hindered. All the time I have now for this morning is, is one more thought. That is, in order to pray effectively, we have to pray in the name of Jesus. Now, to pray in the name of Jesus does not mean just attack that phrase on at the end, blah, 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 in Jesus' name, amen. It means that what you're praying is to honor him. What you're asking for is to honor him. Sometimes you don't get the okay from the Lord to pray certain prayers because they wouldn't honor him. If God, if God knows you need a bicycle, uh, he'll... Help you get one. Pray for it. But if you just get one to ride around town in and show off and 
stand up on the handlebars and run around like that. <laughs> I don't think God will give you one. You may get one some other way, but I don't believe that's from God. You need a car for the service of the Lord? I told you before, when I was in college, I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car first two years, first three years I didn't have a car. I thought I needed one, but I went back and forth on a train to Union University in Tennessee. And then would ride a bus over to the campus. And uh, then a church called me down at Savannah, Tennessee. I didn't have a car, went down on a bus. You imagine going on a bus down there? <laughs> anyway, one morning, after the morning service, one of the men said, uh, Preacher, would you meet me for breakfast Monday morning? I always had to go back to Louisville on Monday afternoon because I was in the seminary. And uh, by that time, I was in the seminary in Louisville. And it was a, a long way. I had to get a bus and so on. He took me to breakfast, and then we went over to a car lot. He stood by a car. It was a black 1941 Ford. He said, would you like to have this car? Well, I said, I, I would like to, but I don't have any money. He said, it's yours. He went in and paid for the car, and I drove it off. You think God is not able? God is able. He is limited by our faith, our lack of faith, our faithlessness. The same thing is true if you have never received Christ as your Savior. God doesn't promise to answer your prayers. He may hear them, but he doesn't obligate himself to answer them until you come in commitment and say, Lord, you're mine. I'm yours. I give you my heart. I know that Christ died on the cross for my sins. And I've asked him to save me and forgive me. And I'm trusting you. I plead the blood of Christ to cover my sins. Now, you may not say it exactly like that. But God looks on the heart, not the mouth. He knows what's going on inside of you. When I gave my heart to Jesus that night, I didn't cry. I didn't laugh. I just quietly gave my heart to him. I've cried a lot of times since and laughed a lot of times since. But I'll never forget that wonderful joy of doing what God said to do. I confess Christ as my Savior, and I confess him again today. He is my Lord, and friend, he is worthy of your trust and faith in all things as well as prayer. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for that truth from the Word of God. How precious to know that God hears prayer, he answers prayer. Help us to think to pray. Help us to be concerned about things. Help us to obey the Lord. And above everything, Lord, help us to trust in Jesus, to make our prayers in his name for his honor and glory, and God will bless. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. I failed to add to that story about the car that God said quietly to my heart, Richard, you, you prayed for a car before, but you didn't really need it till now. I'm answering your prayer. And the Lord answered in such an unusual way. I never expected it. I thought I'd have to save some money to get it and so on. But God did that. Now God will do something for you. Let's be sure that our prayers are not hindered. Either by disobedience or by home.
problem relationships or by lacking trust and faith in Christ. If you're here today and you've never been saved, come to Christ just like you are. Step out for Him. I want to plead with you to don't put it off any longer. Come to Jesus. If your membership is some other church, God wants you here. You come today. While we begin to sing, what page? 348, Jesus is tenderly calling. Will you come?